Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Aaron Spradlin. Thanks for being on the show, Aaron. Hi, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to talk. Yeah, me too. Especially you're you're in a market that I'm partial to. So looking forward to hearing a little more about that as well. But uh, Aaron is a real estate agent that buys and sells real estate in Denver and Colorado Springs. Short-term rental niche has a growing investment group called Denver Women Invest, intended on bringing women into the space. Her company donates 2.8% of every commission back into charity in the community. So Aaron, thank you very much for your time. I know one of your strong points or superpowers is being ultra organized and I need help with that. I know a lot of the listeners do too, but before we get into that, I would love for you to just explain a little bit about your focus right now and your path in real estate. Sure. So basically we did get in through a short term rental, which I think quite a few people have done. I actually really, I love Airbnb in that way because I think a lot of people have an interest in starting their own small business or quitting a job that they're not happy with. And I think it seems intimidating to start your own business or go or to go out on your own. It did for me at least. And so I think in a lot of ways, people do Airbnb. They think they're just going to run out their basement and they start to realize, oh, this is a business. You know, I have a bank account. I have contract workers that do it. I have to be organized whatnot. And then it ends up growing into something else and it gives them confidence that they can run their own business and quit their job. And so we hear that a lot from a lot of people we work with, but that was also true for ourselves. So my husband was in public relations with the government and I was a digital marketing director and we were dating at the time. So this was 2014, but we weren't ready to live together and we kept throwing away a ton of money on dual rents. And so again, this was, you know, it's so crazy that 2015, 14, Airbnb was not as well known about. I mean, it was known, but it was not what it was now. So at that time, I just thought, I'm going to put my place up, see if I can get $400 for the month. If I can, I'll be ecstatic. And part of the reason why I knew about Airbnb is because the Democratic National Convention was in Denver in 2008, and Airbnb had a big presence then. So fast forward, I'm thinking about places. So I put it up on Airbnb. Within half an hour, I had a $100 rental. It was the first time those people had rented. It was my first time. It basically never stopped after that. Then we actually did move in together because we were making so much money that we weren't going to go back on that. And we started to do Airbnb arbitrage. And then within the year, I think my husband was trying. He had looked for another investment to do this on because we were making such crazy money with it. And when he sent out letters to see if anyone would want to sell, tons of people were like, well, I'm not looking up, but I need a real estate agent. They thought he was a real estate agent. So then we thought, huh, people might be interested in an Airbnb investments real estate agent. And at that time too, Denver was becoming more familiar with it. So they were getting laws and we thought that it's important for people to understand legally what they can and can't do, obviously, because with investments, that's a big deal. So within a year or two, so he came to me on Valentine's Day and said, I want to quit my job. I said, okay. And then within a month, I got mad at my boss and I quit my job. (laughs) So we just went for it. And, you know, sometimes I think people think that it was like, 
this really thought out plan and it was not, but it was awesome. And I do think, you know, it became a sink or swim situation. And so we put, we fully went for it. And now we're real estate agents and I absolutely love it. And he absolutely loves it. And that's not necessarily something I always saw for myself, but just I love owning my own business. And I actually do think helping people with real estate is a pretty powerful thing. It's a huge financial decision. So anyways, we love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to get into the, you know, how you're super organized and you help us with that a little bit. But I also wanted to ask you while we're talking about, I know a lot of multifamily owners who are also are like using Airbnb for a few of the units, you know, and and they're just, they're turning or using say five units at a time or something strictly just for Airbnb and, and having a, you know, a different source of revenue at that property. But so I have not done that yet, but uh, at our properties, but what has been say the latest on the Airbnb model you know, during the COVID stuff, the pandemic? Yeah. So I think Denver at least was a little bit better positioned for what happened with COVID because in Denver, starting January of 2017, you were not allowed, you were prohibited from doing Airbnb unless it was your primary residence. So essentially if you had a mailing address there, so even if you had a duplex by law, the other side could not be on the Airbnb for under 30 days. And Denver's, the board that watches it was really, really on top of it. So it wasn't like you could fly under the radar. They were very much aware. So a lot of people, including ourselves, converted our properties to 30-day or more rentals that were furnished and just managed to do it that way. And so you saw a lot of people do that or they dropped out of the space. And so when COVID happened, you saw the exact same thing. So even as the market dried up, they just ended up you know, extending to 30-day leases, really targeting, obviously, medical professionals. And so I think you saw a little bit of an expansion of where people were going, at least amongst our clients. So instead of just focusing on Airbnb, which honestly was still a very good driver for 30 or more days, but instead of having that focus, you saw people go to Furnish Finders and Facebook Marketplace has been awesome for it. Zillow has been awesome for it. And so that's what you were seeing on that end. And then in Colorado Springs, they actually just passed a law on it as well. So Colorado Springs in the past had been a free-for-all. You could do it in as many units as you wanted. And now they've put a restriction in where it has to be at least a duplex zoning or up if you're an investor and you can't have another Airbnb within 500 feet. Beyond that, they allow you to do it in your primary residence. So you just saw people flip to a model that we were already seeing in Denver. Okay. Airbnb is still going strong. Well, yeah, that's interesting. So obviously we had like such a hot market for that for so long. And then, you know, it seemed like in March and April, it dried up a little bit, but it, you know, again, a lot of people converted the people that didn't convert seemed to do quite well, actually. So they had a rough like two or three weeks, but then they ended up recovering from that. And then we're kind of the only game in town for a little bit. So then they did really well. And according to people, it seems like the summer's quite hot and they're really booked. I think what I'm interested in on that front is just, it seems like a lot of the customer set is from within the state of Colorado, whereas in the past it was national and international. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out. I think with medium term rentals, as far as medical professionals and whatnot, it's been interesting because some of those contracts have been canceled because the hospitals aren't doing surgeries and stuff. But now it seems like when that comes back, there's an 18-month delay on it. So I think those people will still be a very strong generator. 
Wow. Okay. Well, I just wondered personally, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have as well, just about Airbnb and how that's working right now. But, uh, you know, as far as being super organized, give us some tips on how you have been super organized in your business or, you know, from the transition to, you know, working to moving into your own business. You know, there's lots of stuff there you don't even know to organize yet, right? You know, and, and how you did that and what that looks like now on a daily basis, how you stay organized. Yeah, sure. I think I have the benefit of working for a couple of small businesses before I went out on my own. So I could see some practices that I thought worked or didn't work. And I know we were talking about this before the show started, but I think my professional advice to anyone, whether it's in investments or otherwise, is to get to know Excel. It's such a powerful tool and you can take lots of free online classes. I actually took a class at my local library and that really helped me get up to speed. But I would say amongst investors, obviously Excel is kind of the gold standard. People really use it. I think bigger pockets and some other places offer tools where you can run your own numbers, but it's behind the scenes. Whereas Excel, you kind of know exactly what you're plugging in and what that means. So I would always say Excel is the best way to manage any business, whether it's your own finances or finances for something else. But then also, I just think there's really powerful tools that you can use across the board. So I like Todoist and I like Rike. So Todoist is just a daily task list. And then Rike, I usually set up, you can do templates and stuff. One thing that I think is very helpful is, as an organized person is, you know, making sure that there are certain tasks that you do every week and that you do every month. I always hear this from people. They get intimidated or things get out of control because it's unpleasant. So they put it off. So if you just, and I do this in Rike, if you, and that's W-R-I-K-E, if you do this in Rike, you can set up templates where you're just looking at it every week or every month for just standard things. And so some examples of things that I do are I catalog my mileage every week on Mile IQ. Every week I look at mint.com, which catalogs my expenses. And then every month there are certain things I do like reach out to clients that I haven't talked to in a while or check my personal assets and finances, invoice people. And then finally, I think one thing for us, at least because we are client heavy, we have a weekly meeting every yeah. Monday. And so it's like not only are we learning from each other a little bit, but it also allows us to cover one another easily because it's like this person you know, this is what's happening in inspection and stuff. So we both know what's going on. Those are kind of my high level tips. I just think not letting things get away from you is a big one. And also using your inbox as a to-do list so that you, you know, I have very few outstanding emails. My inbox might have 10 or fewer emails at all time because if I've addressed them, then they've been archived. And if they haven't been archived, they need to be addressed. Okay. So, I mean, inbox management, is that your tip? Just like, address it right then so you can archive it? Or do you have a method of like categorizing or how do you do that? I mean, I would say inbox management. So it's always in your face and you're always seeing it. And I think obviously I have folders and labels for people that more than that, I would just say making yourself do certain things every week, maybe dedicating Monday to unpleasant tasks or whatever, but that way it doesn't get away from you. And you do those things that you don't necessarily want to do, but are good for your business. Yeah. In, I mean, my inbox, it's just, uh, it's so hard to keep up. Like I might get a hundred emails or more some days, you know, and it's very difficult. I'll just have a, hours of email and I'll get it way down there. I'll feel really good about it, you know, and then a week later it'd be like back up to 400 or something crazy. That's just in the important and unread section. That's not like 
everything else. You might be more popular than me, Whitney. I don't know that I have 400 important emails a week, but I definitely get a level of junk. So what about mint.com? Like you mentioned, like using mint.com, is that something that can like replace your accountant or is that, I mean, how well does that work for you? I've never used it. Yeah. So I think I will say a good bookkeeper and a good CPA, I think are not replaceable. I think especially if you have business partners or you have something complicated in your booking, we tried to do it for ourselves and it really, we had awesome business partners that were very understanding, but I think it just created a lot of headaches. It was definitely worth it to pay for someone else to do it. That said, if you're doing it for yourself and you're using Met.com, I think it's great. It's a great way to manage your finances and look at what's going on every week. You, I find it most useful when you're looking for like erroneous charges that don't really make sense. Like I've caught Comcast just adding charges certain months when they shouldn't have. And so Mint will flag that or other things. The thing I would say about Mint is that it's a lot of work that you have to put in in the beginning to upload all your accounts and kind of label things. But then after you do it, I think it's well worth it. And then too, you can look at trends like this property is costing me this much or, you know, my water bill spike. What's that about? You know, things like that. Okay. So I know, you know, a big thing you're focused on right now is, is helping women get into the real estate. Right. And, you know, you have a group there, Denver Women Invest. So I hope people there will, you know, will look it up. You know, so tell me, though, I know, you know, about like just the fear of holding people back, especially women, or I mean, that can apply to men or women for sure. But but we definitely see less women in this space, you know, than men. So, you know, maybe you can talk about that a little bit or talk to the women who are listening and, you know, help them get past that fear. Yeah. So, I mean, with bigger pockets, you know, Bigger Pockets is Denver based, but it's obviously national and international. And so they have a pretty big scene here in Colorado. And so I had started going to Bigger Pockets meetings with my husband. And when I would go, I remember the first one I went to, I mean, it was 98% men. And, uh, you know, people are throwing around terms. And had my husband not been with me, I would have walked right in and walked right out. It just did not feel like anything that felt comfortable to me. No one looked like me. I didn't know what I was talking about. I was in a space that was not familiar to me. And so I didn't like that. And I thought, you know, after I did start to get comfortable in that space, I started to notice there were a lot of women standing on the sidelines, looking at their feet, not talking, or even like married couples that seemed young that just didn't want, you know, they felt like they were a little bit out of their element. And I both felt sympathetic to them, but also frustrated that this environment wasn't friendlier. And I think as as the United States and stuff has started to have a little bit more recognition around how certain people are more welcome places than others and stuff. I just thought, how can we work with that? And then also when I did my master's, I did it about advertising to females. And one thing that came up with that is that women make 85% of housing decisions, 91% of consumer decisions across the board. But then when it comes to investors, they're only 25%. So that was very frustrating to me. I thought it's not that different. Why are women just dropping off a cliff when it comes to investing? So I decided to open this group and it's only females. Uh, It's a round table. So people come in and give speeches on whatever their focus is. So we might have you know, an environmental hazards person come in, we might have an inspector come in, a lender, a CPA, whatever, 
they'll come in and speak and then we open it up for questions and then a pretty heavy emphasis on sharing. So if you know something that you think someone else needs to know or that you're good at, then we feel like it's a little bit a little bit your responsibility to help others with that. And so that's how the group's gone. It's probably two years old now. We do it for every, it's free. We do it once a month. It's about 90 minutes. I definitely have men ask if they can join the group and the answer is no. <laughs> but if you what do you think is holding most women back though? I mean, just the fear or just feeling like they don't know, they get fearful. Or, I mean, just kind of turn away from it and don't keep pursuing it. Yeah, sure. I think it's like women, their strongest suit is also maybe something that also holds them back. They're a little bit more risk averse. And I hate to be stereotypical here, but maybe a little bit more thoughtful. And so I know that there's a lot of studies where women certainly feel like they can't do the next level job or whatever, or they just, you know, they're there faster than they see themselves as there. And I think men don't have that as much. I have a lot of 25 year old men come to me and they're very confident and very ready sometimes correctly so sometimes not and you just don't see that with women as much so I'm just the focus is to say to them like what does it take for you to feel comfortable and also I think you know for men it's a little bit more like they hear a relative talk about it and then they feel like they should do it and they read a book and then they go do it for women I think they need to hear about it from a podcast read a book hear it from friends it's more of a multimedia or a multi-source thing for them to feel comfortable Aaron, what's a way that you've recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Sure. So I think one way that I've recently improved my business is to check my finances every week. I think that might be a small one, but I just, that's something that's a policy that we've ended up implementing. And then the other thing that I do to help my business is I just check in with my clients every single week, religiously, even if it's just to say, I know you heard from me last week, but let me know if you need anything from me. I think communication is the biggest thing you can do to be strong in your business. So many problems can be alleviated by strong communication. Good advice. And as far as the weekly financial check, is that from implementing Mint? Yeah, actually it is. So there's Mint, but I mean, I've had Mint for a long time. So it's Mint and looking at any outliers, but then also just looking at every week, you know, where's our savings? Where are our taxes since we're self-employed? So just making sure we're on top of that at the end of the year that that's going to be okay. You know, what debts do we have across, you know, properties, cars, student loans, you name it. And just having like a pretty high level overview, but making sure that there's no emergencies that are sneaking up on us. So what's your best source for a meeting or finding new investors? Bigger pockets, for sure. I mean, I think bigger pockets is a huge one, but then also I would say Denver Women Invest because in addition to wanting to bring people into that space. I know because of the research I've done that women are seven times more likely to give you a referral than a man. So they're a more important client base for me. And when I meet males that are married that want to invest, I always say, I'm not, you know, get your wife on the phone. I don't, because it's not, it has to be both of you. Both of you have to be on the same page. And typically the female is maybe a little bit more reticent about it than the male. So I just want to make sure I'm in front of both of them. And then also, like I said, as a, on a business level, it is smarter for me to have female. So what's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? Organization. And I would say organization, honestly, just being consistent. I write, or I had, I tapered off, we're starting again, but I had written basically one blog post for Bigger Pockets every single week for the last like two and a half years. And that has gotten, especially I wrote a post about why you should invest in Colorado Springs. 
And that has driven me a lot of clients as Colorado Springs has graduated. So I think just saying, I don't want to say, I think sometimes people get interested in content and then they drop off very quickly on it. If they don't see immediate returns, I think you need to think of it as a marathon instead of a sprint. For sure. Any thought leadership platform. And that's sounds like that's what you've done with that. Uh, I'd love to see that article, by the way. So how do you like to give back? Oh, great question. Thank you. So one thing is that we do a lot of free education. We feel like our job is never to sell you one house. It's to educate you so that you feel comfortable. But even outside of our client base, we do free classes on how to buy a house, how to sell a house, how to do Airbnb investing. But beyond that, for every transaction that we do in Denver, the standard rate is 2.8% is the commission that the buyer's agent or the seller's agent gets for a property. So we got that 2.8% commission. And then we take 2.8 of that 2.8 and give it to a charity of our clients choosing. So we ask them, you know, what's important. And then we do that. And then we also, we feel like that's especially important for investors because it's very easy to go in and spend your money somewhere and not know anything about that community. And we've just found doing that creates a little bit of a buy-in. They have to do some research or think about what's important to them. So we do it across the board for all of our clients, but I really do like doing it for investors because it makes them think about where they're investing a little bit more. Aaron, I appreciate the way you give back. I appreciate you giving back today with us on the show and, and giving of your time and helping us to be more organized. I try to be organized, but tell you what, it can get away from you, can it? But it's so important. And I appreciate you sharing just some tips and, and uh, just even like mint.com and, and things like that, that I should probably try instead of trying to do it as probably as much manually. But uh, even the how you help women investors as well. I appreciate that and, and just your focus there. We would definitely like to have more women guests on the show as well. So uh, very open to that. But tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Awesome. Thank you, Whitney. So two ways you can get a hold of me. The first is just my real estate company where we have a lot of resources about Denver and Colorado Springs and investing. If you're interested in any of those topics, that real estate website address is Aaron, E-R-I-N and James, J-A-M-E-S, realestate.com. Or if you're a female and you're curious, even if you're out of state right now, all of our stuff is online Zoom because of COVID. You're more than welcome to join those as well. And that's just denverwomeninvest.com. And you'll be able to see a schedule there and also how to contact me. Awesome. Thank you. That's a wrap. All right. Thanks, Whitney. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.